Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Design your lifestyle first before you even start your real estate business. Decide what you want your life to look like. What I have today is exactly, word for word, exactly what I wanted five years ago. Before we get into today's episode, are you a fix and flipper who needs some money? You need to maybe do more deals and you're limited by the funds you have available. Well then, Fund That Flip, today's best ever sponsor, has a solution for you. And you know Fun That Flip, right? Your loyal best ever listener, the founder, Matt Rodak, he's been on the show multiple times. And they have been a previous sponsor and they love working with the best ever listeners. And they provide short-term fix and flip loans to experienced investors. They've got an online platform, makes the entire process super easy, and you can get funded in as few as seven days. So if you're looking for a reliable funding partner, go to fundthatflip.com and mention that, well, you heard about it on the Best Ever Show. Best Ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any fluffy stuff. We've spoken to Barbara Corcoran from Shark Tank, Emmett Smith, the Hall of Fame football player who is also a real estate developer. I bet you didn't know that. Go listen to that episode. A whole bunch of others with us today, Joe Turney. How you doing, Joe? Hey, doing great. Nice to have you on the show, and this can be fun because a little bit about Joe. He is the owner of Blue House Realty. He has accumulated $2 million in A-class single-family homes, which generate $100,000 of passive net income every year. He started from a negative net worth and has gotten to this point in less than five years. He completes 10 to 12 flips each year with an average profit of twenty-five k. And he's based in Birmingham, Alabama. With that being said, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Yeah, Joe, no problem. I'm basically just enjoying a new career change. I was in the software development world for many years in the corporate world and basically just got a little too old. So started a career change and uh, found a local mentor and a local person who had done well in real estate and he gave me a few pointers and I took off from there. So I've never seen anything where I could turn just a savings account into a lifetime of retirement income in just a few years. So I've had a lot of success in a short period of time. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about this. Let's dig in deeper and in more detail. You started with a negative net worth. 
How do you have a negative net worth? I'm trying to think about that. <laughs> well, that's a really easy question to answer. Actually, you owe more yeah, yeah. <laughs> worth on everything that you have. <laughs> what did you have that was putting you negative? Our mortgage on our home was too high and unsecured debts, very little in savings. Just the combination of several factors put it right at zero or negative. So four years ago, you had a negative net worth, right? That's right. And what was your job? Software development. I owned a computer software company. Okay. You had the negative net worth, so clearly things weren't going incredibly well four years ago. It had been on a slow downward spiral for many years and not paying much attention to it. And then what happened? Well, basically I woke up and took some financial classes and learned about real estate and investing and decided to make a change. So it took a second full-time job for a year and got some savings accounts built up and took that savings account and turned it into the real estate that we have today. Which classes did you take and where did you take them? Well, I say classes. It was mainly books and education, online websites. Actually, one of the books I read early on was your book, The Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever. But mainly books from Amazon, any books on there that were highly recommended, I got those and read them. Kind of out in the country here, outside of town, so I didn't have a lot of local support or anything like that. So I guess you say when I say classes, there's really no formal education other than self-education. Mm-hmm. So you read a bunch of books and you took a second full-time job for a year. What was that job? Just software, another software development job, just a second shift. I just wanted some capital to get started with, and that was the fastest way I knew to get it at the Mm -hmm. time. What hours were you working in your full-time job, and then what hours were you working in your second full-time job? Basically from 8 to 4 during the day, and then from 5 to midnight, roughly. There was a little bit of overlap, but in the computer world, you can work remotely sometimes. so. So you were able to work from home for those hours? Partially, yes. Partially. And then did you have to go in some days? Yeah, it was a busy, hard year, but I don't recommend it, but it was my way out. Mm -hmm. You don't want to change something, you're going to be stuck there forever, so I had Mm -hmm. to change something. Good for you. applaud you for doing that. 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. and then 5 p.m. to midnight, you did that for one year. You put money into a savings account, and what did you buy? I bought a rental property. My first house was a local foreclosure just about a mile from my house. I bought it through the foreclosure process. And I kind of stumbled upon the concept of the buy it, renovate it, rent it, and refinance it strategy. I kind of stumbled upon that on my own before I even heard about it. But I bought that with cash, got it rented, and went to my local bank. And they gave me a loan on it for 70% of the appraised value, which happened to be more than I had in it. Mm -hmm. So the light bulb went off for me immediately that... I did that 10 more times in a two-year period, so I renovate, refinance as fast as I could go. Wow. With the same bank? Well, what I found is a lot of the local portfolio lenders, they have personal limits that they can do in-house. So when I would hit a limit with a bank, I'd just start over with a new bank. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it was divided over three local banks. Okay. I mentioned that you're buying Class A single-family homes, because that's what I was reading in your bio. What is a Class A single-family home? I consider properties where there's very little rental activity in the neighborhood, where most of the buyers in that neighborhood are going to be homeowners with mortgages. 
That's probably the best definition I have. Mm -hmm. In my area, that works out to about 125 to $150,000 range is about the minimum per house. Mm -hmm. And on average, what are you getting in rent on those? Approximately $1,200 per house mm -hmm. per month. So you got twelve hundred, and then say you're buying it for one fifty. That's the appraised value, but I'm, ah, you know, I, I'm paying roughly seventy percent of retail. Okay, now it's getting clear. So the appraised value is one hundred and fifty. So in that case, you'd buy it for around one hundred and five thousand dollars. Yes, that's right. Or buy it and renovate it for one hundred and five. I need to have all in investment. Yes, all in. Is that your rule of thumb, 70% on the retail price, all in? Yes, and that's based on my local lenders told me that's what their limits are. Okay. To do the refi? For refinance, that's what they told me their limit was, so that's what I work with. Mm -hmm. You have $2 million in these homes. How many homes do you have? That's like well, have 20? Yes, exactly 20, actually. <laughs> so I have uh, 16, 16 single-family homes and one fourplex. Okay. That's incredible. And are you using the same approach for all of them, where you buy it, renovate, rent it, and then refi out? Yes. I've done that basically 20 times in a row now. <laughs> I love this story because... It doesn't have to be complicated, does it? You're doing the same thing over and over and over and over <laughs> and over again. Basically, the 20 provides me with enough income to cover all of my living expenses and day-to-day -day bills. You know, we paid off all those debts to fix our net worth problem and then decided don't want to live at the bare minimum anymore. So we started doing some house flips a few years ago, and that's been a fun ride, too. Mm-hmm. Each property, what's it make you every month on average? If I had to average them, probably about $450 net after all mortgages and expenses. Wow, $450 net. So you're all in at 100000 and it's renting for about $1,200. Uh, let's see. So that's 1.2%. Let's say 1200 bucks is the rent. And the expenses, mortgage, and everything, it's going to be around $750, $800, you said? Yes, that's with everything added together. All in. Taxes, yeah. insurance. I bet you're self-managing. No, actually, I don't. My biggest priority at this point in my life is lifestyle. So I don't manage anything. Property manager takes care of 100% of all maintenance and problems. And the rents come in through ACH transfer and the mortgage Payments go out through ACH, so it's 100% hands-off. I think last year, I may have gotten three or four phone calls for the whole year. Mm -hmm. What would be, and I'm not asking you the money question yet. You know, I always ask everyone, what's your best real estate investing advice ever? I'm going to ask you that later. But what would be your advice for someone who wants to do exactly what you've done with this model? The first thing, I really don't think it works without capital. you got to have either a line of credit or home equity or cash. It doesn't work at all unless you can pay cash up front for the house. It's generally a cash offer on any house. You can get at least a 20% discount off retail, and your banks are going to loan you 70% of retail, so you're really close. You only need a 10% bargain to make the whole thing work. Mm-hmm. So the best advice would be to get some capital or line of credit or a lender or a partner with money, something to start the process. 
Are you a handy person? I can be. I don't really enjoy it, but I can be if I have to. How did you fix up the properties along the way? Well, the first two or three I did actually myself. I do recommend that too, that when you're first starting out to at least do it enough where you know how long things take, how much they should cost, how hard they are. But after two or three homes, I just hired local contractors or handymen to fix the properties. Mm -hmm. What's that experience been like? Uh, very challenging, to say the least. So, <laughs> in fact, just a few months ago, I just started a salary payroll and put some of the best people I know on salary so that I don't have to keep trying to hire and chase new contractors. Mm. I haven't heard of doing this yet, especially since you have a third-party management company. Why not have the third-party management company handle the renovations? What I found is uh, I do at least want to know what's happening with the property. So now my people that are on salary, they do some maintenance on the rental properties, but it's only mainly repairs. For the most part, they're working with me on house flip projects. But the property manager has the direct phone number of my employees they can call for help. And basically, it's just paid, prepaid or maintenance costs that's already paid for on a consistent basis. There's no unknown expense for maintenance. It's my biggest benefit I get out of it. Mm. How much do you pay a person on salary to do the maintenance? And how busy are they with 20 properties? They're not very busy at all on maintenance. But if I didn't have house flip projects going, then it wouldn't right. work financially. But roughly $20 an hour will get you a really high-quality person. And on a flip, you'll come out way ahead. But if you're paying people maintenance on properties that didn't need maintenance, you would actually lose money. Mm -hmm. And how many people do you have on salary? We have three. Three people. And you're doing 10 to 12 flips a year. So basically, you're averaging about a flip a month. That's right. These three guys by themselves can renovate a single-family home in four weeks. It works out really nice. Wow. That's interesting. What a fascinating model and approach. You make it sound so simple. <laughs> well, simple is one word, but maybe not easy. It takes some work. Because I have to buy things at such a discount and my market is so strong in this area, it takes me a lot of legwork and a lot of research to find a good deal. And it takes a lot of time. People believe they want to do it until I show them my 50 to 60 written offers that I made in the last few weeks that all said no. Then they don't realize it's not that fun every day. <laughs> you make 50 to 60 offers a week? Oh, no, in the last few weeks, like about a month, that much okay. in a month. Is there a way that you learn to scale that so it goes more quickly than when how you started doing it? Delegating, obviously, was a big step for me. We let people run the office side of things. I still do the basic bookkeeping, but I hired on some help for accounting and things like that. But for the most part, it runs by itself. You know, the employees are very trustworthy. They run everything. Once they get started, they don't need any supervision. The rentals run without any supervision. Basically, my full-time job is just finding the next good deal. So mm -hmm. I enjoy that part of it, so it works out really good. Let's talk about how you find that next good deal. How do you do it? What's your approach? Well, I know a lot of people spend a lot of money on marketing, like to uh, houses and things like that. But I haven't had very good luck with that personally. So I really just watch public sales um, for sale by owners. The MLS system, I look primarily for vacant houses or bank-owned houses on the MLS system. 
anything that's been on the market for 120 days or more shows up on my report each day, things like that. Just hard to sell properties in my local area. Mm-hmm. The last deal you bought, what are the numbers on it? Well, actually, we're under renovation right now on the last one I just bought. It's a local property, single-family home, a four-bedroom home. The value will be worth about 145000 when it's finished. Mm-hmm. And I paid, I'm trying to remember my numbers off the top of my head, I believe I paid 57000 for it. And we've got a roughly a $30,000 budget for renovations. And that's going to be a flip. How do you decide which ones to flip and which ones to keep in your portfolio? Well, at this point, I've got a really good portfolio that I'm happy with. It performs well and has very low maintenance. So at this point, everything I'm buying is just for flips primarily, unless I just happen to get an unbelievable deal on a great house. Everything else I'll just sell at the end. And assuming that you continue to make money on those flips, you're going to collect more and more money. So what do you plan on investing that money into? The best return I've got right at this moment is to simply pay off the properties I have. It gives me a really good return. But then I really want to expand out into some larger multifamily. I'd like to get some down payment money built up for some multifamily just to get higher cash flow. What is your best real estate investing advice ever? I believe if I had to tell someone what to do, I would say to design your lifestyle first before you even start your real estate business. Decide what you want your life to look like. What I have today is exactly word for word, exactly what I wanted five years ago. My daily routine is exactly what I wanted it to be. But if I didn't know what I was trying to build before I started, it's very possible I could have built the wrong real estate business that didn't give me the lifestyle I wanted. What's your daily routine look like now? Basically, my biggest pet peeve is there's no alarm clock. So I get up whenever we wake up. What time is that usually? <laughs> Roughly 8 o'clock. Okay. Check the morning MLS listings. If there's nothing new or interesting, I go to the job site and check see how folks are doing there. Then the rest of the day, I'm really out looking for other properties. I'm meeting with for sale by owners or talking to other agents in the area to find, find anything new that's happening. A lot of times I'll read the legal ads in the papers to see if there's any foreclosures coming in my area. Hmm. Has that resulted in any closed deals, the reading legal ads in the paper? Yes, actually. My favorite one I ever got came out of a legal ad. Sometimes it works. No one process works every time, but that one works occasionally. Please elaborate on that deal. <laughs> it was actually a lakefront property right here in my area. Very nice level lakefront lot with its own boat ramp and There was a legal ad in the newspaper that had an attorney's name in it with no contact information. There was no property address. There was only a legal description. And it took me a lot of homework to figure out where the property was to start with and then to find contact information for the lawyer who would answer the phone to find out when the sale was going to be. So that was a great investment. I mean, we ended up paying about $60,000 for it, and it was worth close to two hundred. And it was just because I was the only one, it seemed like I was the only one who did my homework ahead of time to find out when the sale is going to be, where the property is, is it vacant, who's the attorney doing the sale, what time is it, go to the courthouse and did my title research ahead of time. So there was a lot I had to do for prep work to get ready for it. How did you find the attorney's name to contact? Well, the attorney's office name has to be in the legal ad, but they don't have to give you 
contact information. They just have the name of the law firm. So uh-huh. I had to do my own research to find out how to get in touch with them. Was that just a simple Google search? It started with that, yeah, but a lot of the phone numbers I got went straight to voicemail. So mm. I had to call you know, some other closing attorneys in the area and ask them if they knew how to get in touch with them. And eventually someone knew the attorney and gave me a cell phone number and I called them. You ready for the best ever lightning round? I believe so. All right. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. You want to get better at negotiating real estate? Well, how about do you want to get better at negotiating real estate for free? Even better, right? Well, go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. Fund That Flip, today's sponsor, has partnered with best-selling author Jay Scott to provide you with a free chapter from Jay's new book on negotiating real estate. I've read the book. Lots of good real-world case studies sprinkled in there, too. I love it when they do that. Go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever to download your free copy of the chapter today. Tired of the noise in the real estate investing space but still want to light your business on fire? Real Estate Deal Talk is an original source of radio shows, podcasts, case studies, and articles devoted to real estate investing. For investors, by investors. Discover more at realestatedealtalk.com. That's realestatedealtalk.com. Best ever book you've read? I'd have to say Leading an Inspired Life with Jim Rohn. Oh, I love Jim. <laughs> the Leading Inspired Life, I'll look at it like an encyclopedia of personal development. I've never heard of that book, so I haven't read it. That's going to be on my list. I've watched a bunch of his YouTube videos. It's my favorite. It's the biggest one he ever wrote, so you'll recognize it. <laughs> Best ever deal that you've done that you have not mentioned already? Ooh, that I haven't mentioned. So I mentioned the lake house already. Probably the next favorite one I've got is a local so a single-family home I bought. Actually, it was another foreclosure sale. I got it through the foreclosure sale, but I'd already done a lot of due diligence on it. It was actually move-in ready when I bought it. It was on the MLS for sale, and it was already move-in ready. And the day I bought it, we put it up for rent, and it rented the next day. And within three days, we had a tenant living there. And that's been almost four years ago now, and I've never been back in the house again. It's been probably my favorite one. How come you haven't mentioned the four unit as being one of the top two favorites? <laughs> it's kind of like picking your favorite kid, I guess. Right. Uh, that okay. One, <laughs> that, one, that one has a unique story, too. I actually went to a local seminar a couple of years ago where there was a speaker talking about the power of owner financing. I'd never even considered that before. I came home from that seminar and sent an email to every multifamily in my area, the listing agent and ask them if they would consider owner financing. And out of about 39 listings, I had one that came back and said, yes, maybe. And it was that fourplex. And I bought it with owner financing. (laughs) How do you do it? Tell us the deal structure, please. The property is valued at probably in the 230,000 range, roughly, maybe a little higher. But I just made an offer. I'd asked the listing agent ahead of time what the seller wanted. So I just wrote word for word what the seller wanted in my offer and sent it in. They wanted 10% down payment, and then we amortized it over a 20-year loan, the balance. Mm. That's phenomenal. Wouldn't you want to do that every yeah. time? <laughs> yeah, absolutely, but that's the only one I've ever gotten with owner. Well, I can't say the only one, but that's the best one I've ever got with owner financing, but it came out of a seminar. That mm-hmm. The guy said, just go do it, so I went and did what he said, and it worked. I got one out of 39. Wow. 
This is such a fun interview because you're so matter of fact with the simple approach, but it's effective too. What's a mistake you've made on a transaction? Every time I fail to do enough due diligence ahead of time, I've ended up not coming out well. The biggest mistake I ever made, I believe, was I bought a single family home off the MLS system. It was a two story home, nice looking. Behind the shrubbery around the front of the house, the foundation was white around the house. And I just made some basic assumptions, and that assumption really cost me a lot of money. And that assumption was that the white stuff behind the bushes was a foundation. It was not a foundation, it was plastic. House had no foundation. <laughs> so, it was sitting on blocks like a mobile home, and I was shocked to say the least when I discovered that. And that was just because I didn't inspect it closely when I bought it. How much did that cost you? It cost me about $13,000 to have the house raised up and put a foundation under it. What's the best ever way you like to give back? Now I really like for people who are in my situation like five years ago, people who want out of the rat race. I really like helping people get out of that rat race, showing them kind of like what I do and say, here's your steps, you go do it. And it's, it's not complicated, but it's very rewarding. What steps are in that process that you tell someone to do that we haven't talked about already? I guess the biggest step we haven't talked about is you, you really need to have a, a good working relationship with a local portfolio lender, someone who lends out of the local branch of their office, the local bank who will loan you money. Because obviously the, the whole merry-go-round doesn't work unless the lender is going to loan you the money at the end of the process. So mm -hmm. I would recommend starting with a credit application and a loan application with a local bank before you buy your first property just to make sure you can do it. And you said credit application. So if you don't have a house identified, you can still do a credit application with them? What I tell people to do, in fact, I'm teaching this to my own son at the moment, is go put your application in and tell them a fictional property that you're wanting to buy a single family home for and uh, finance it at 70% of the appraised value with a rental income of $1,200. Assuming those factors, would you approve my loan? So. Mm-hmm. So you're telling about a fictional property, you want to buy it at 75% appraised value, and it rents for $1,200. Yeah, and then they take the loan officer, because it's a local bank and you're dealing directly with a loan officer who can make a decision without underwriting, it just goes much better. They actually can talk to you one-on-one -on -one and tell you yes or no in person without a lot of hassle. How can the best ever listeners get in touch with you? Email's the best way. Joe at JoeTurney.com, J-O-E-T-U-R-N-E-Y.com. Thank you for spending time with us. Thanks for talking about your story, sharing all the lessons learned, simplifying the process for us so it's easy to understand. You're buying at 70% discount. You're renovating, you're renting out, and then you're refinancing out the proceeds and then doing it again. Is that right? That's in a nutshell. That's it. Yep, that's it. And you've accumulated $2 million in single-family homes in four years by taking that approach. You're finding good deals by looking at the public sales, talking to for-sale buy owners, looking at the MLS, the vacant houses on the MLS in particular, and anything been on the market for 120 days or more. Also love the story about you just going to a seminar, hearing some guy talk about owner financing. You emailed... 39 listings for multifamily deals, emailed the broker, asked if they're interested in owner financing, 
One of them said yes, and you just wrote up the terms exactly how they were wanting them written up, and there you go. You got a place, and it worked out just like that, right? I see, and it's still the highest cash flowing property we have, obviously, because it's a fourplex, but yeah, it's been a great deal. Well, this has been a great interview, Joe. Thanks for being on the show. You did our first name proud, I'll tell you that right now. Hope you have a best ever day, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Joe. Tired of the noise in the real estate investing space but still want to light your business on fire? Real Estate Deal Talk is an original source of radio shows, podcasts, case studies, and articles devoted to real estate investing. For investors, by investors. Discover more at realestatedealtalk.com. That's realestatedealtalk.com.